Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Mike Stafford, the Portable Pastor, bringing you another teaching from God's Word. You might have to turn up your sound a little bit today. My voice is a little weaker. I have a cold. I'm going to try to edit out all the coughing and sneezing and hacking and all that stuff. But if one gets through, just fast forward through that part. I, I do apologize. But I really want to talk to you about what's going on at the end of this conversation in Matthew chapter 12. We've been looking at it for a few weeks now. And when we come to Matthew 12, 46, this is what it says. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my, here are my brother, mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, I want you to notice a, a couple of things about how Jesus is, is going to end this discussion with the Pharisees. First thing is that Jesus drove his point home using his earthly family. His earthly family. We see in 46 that his mother and his brothers showed up and, and wanted to speak to him. And he drove this home using them. Now, look, in, in chapter 8 of Luke's gospel, Luke uh, Luke tells the same story, and he says that the family couldn't get near Jesus because the place was packed. Look, he was having a, a serious, intense discussion with the Pharisees and with other peoples. And in that discussion, he informed the listeners that, that God wasn't going to give them any more signs because they had already made up their minds about Jesus. And he warned them of the danger they were in because of their unbelief. Even his unbelieving family wasn't immune to that warning. Look, look again at the, at the context of this conversation. Jesus is talking to Pharisees and others about his relationship with the Father, and, they're, 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 and he warned them about their disbelief in him, having no relationship with God at all. And he had just healed a man with demon possession. They denied it. They said he was using the power of the devil to do it, and, and they attributed that power to him. And, and they refused to admit that Jesus had used the power of the Holy Spirit because they had once and for all set their minds against the divinity of Jesus. He told them they were guilty of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that they would never be forgiven. And Jesus exposed their wickedness. And he did this because in their unbelief, they were continuing this consistent, sinful Sinful life, right? He said even, even a tree is known by its fruit. Now, these folks, they, they were obsessed with his miracles, though, so they asked for another sign. And Jesus refused to give it because, one, it would have been useless, and, two, it would have multiplied their, their guilt. Remember last week I told you he was being very merciful by not giving them another sign. Now, when we come to this next and final portion of this discussion, the final words in this particular occasion, the brothers of, of Jesus showed up and they asked for a face-to-face -face discussion with him. Now, we're not explicitly told why. We don't know what they want to talk to him about, but they wanted to see him. Now, I can guess why. And that's because I remember that his brothers are unbelievers at this point. I, I remind you of a time earlier when Jesus was with his brothers. It's found in John chapter 7. 
Listen to what it says. After this, Jesus went into Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the, the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here. Go, go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you're doing. For no one works in secret if he sees it, if he seeks it to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Look, his, his brothers were harassing him. They're harassing Jesus in their unbelief. Deep down, they probably wanted Jesus out of the picture because he no doubt caused societal problems for them. He and the Pharisees were at odds. I'm sure that some things were taken out on the rest of the family. So when they get to this latest standout moment by Jesus, they probably wanted to shut him up again for harming the family's reputation. Now Mary, the mother of Jesus, showed up there too. But Mary... She knew. She believed in Jesus, right? She knew what he was all about. So we're not explicitly told while she's there, but her reasoning temporarily aligned her with her other sons. And so I think she probably wanted wanted him to stop talking so harshly to the Pharisees. He, they, she knew that it was it was trouble for him. And although her her motives were a little bit different, she needed to see Jesus and try to try to you know settle down to calm down the situation. Now, if you get my daily devotions, and, and I hope that you do, if not, you can simply uh, text me. I, I send out a devotion every day, and I'll be glad to send it to you. You, you. you just email me, Mike, at fbcclover.com. I'll add you to that list. But if you're getting those daily devotions, you might recall from Monday's devotion that Martha loved Jesus, and she believed in Jesus, but she was guilty of disagreeing with his methods, too. And this was no doubt Mary's mindset at, at this moment. I believe you're the Christ. I, I believe you're the Messiah. But, but Jesus, you're being too harsh. You're going out the wrong way. I just imagine that's what why, why his mother was there. And, and just as the Pharisees would receive no sign because of their unbelief, the family of Jesus, who either did not believe or sought to stop him from getting them into trouble, saw saw the attention uh, that Jesus gave to the disciples instead of themselves. Jesus wouldn't go out to them. You know why? Because he was he was dead serious about the danger of unbelief. And he used his relationship with his own family to prove it. Jesus gave the perfect ending to this discussion. But we need to understand something in light of that fact. Jesus, he, he did not demean his earthly family. It looks like it in verse 48. By the way, if you notice in the English Standard Version, there's no 47. It goes straight from 46 to 48. And that's because some ancient manuscripts do not include a separate statement there. So to be careful, the editors of the, the ESV, the English Standard Version, they didn't include it, but they skipped over in the numbering to acknowledge that they that, that statement did appear in some of the ancient documents. I just wanted you to know that. Now, in verse 48, Jesus asks, who's my mother and, and, and who are my brothers? That, that seems uncaring. That seems unlike Jesus. But in saying this, Jesus wasn't rejecting his family. I like what gotquestions.org, uh, I like how they explain this passage. They say the relationship that, that really matters in the eternal scheme of things are those based on rightly relating to God. 
Human family relationships are beautiful and they're necessary blessings. And God is the one who created and provided those relationships. And Jesus is not minimizing the importance of family relationships. Rather, he's emphasizing that having a right relationship with God by obeying his will is the most important. So he's not demeaning or rejecting his family. They were they were a temporary blessing. They were a responsibility to him. He's just simply making a point. Even those closest to Jesus who were not believers would not be included in his eternal family. Now, his brothers would eventually become believers. They became believers after the resurrection. Mark 6.3 tells us the name of those brothers. There's James and Simon and Jude and Joseph. Joseph means Joseph Jr., like in New York, they'd say, hey, that's Joey. Or in Texas, that's little Joe. Or in Louisiana, they just call him Junior. Here in South Carolina, nah, just Bubba. Everybody's Bubba. But but in, in Mark 6, we're told about their names. In 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus appears to James before he appears to the disciples after his resurrection. He loved his brother. And in Acts 1, the disciples were praying. They're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Notice who was with them. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That's what the Bible says. The brothers of Jesus wrote two books of the Bible, James and Jude. Did you know that? They became believers. Jesus didn't simply reject his brothers. He loved them. He came to die for them. Jesus loved and took care of his mother. He died for her. Remember the care given to his mom from the cross? John 19, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Jesus asked John to care for Mary. Jesus saved all of them. He loved his family. This statement could not have been a blow to the importance of, of their importance to him. He would soon die for them. So he didn't demean them with he didn't demean his earthly family. So what, what did he mean? Well, Jesus, it was simple. Jesus, Jesus delineated between his earthly and eternal families. That's all he was doing. Jesus was not refusing to admit he had an earthly family. Remember the context, blasphemy, being known by bad fruit, the refusal to give a sign because it, it wouldn't have done anything to change their unbelief. Remember. That it was it was useless to give a sign to people who had already made up their minds once and for all. It was equally as useless to discuss the danger of his current teaching with his mother, who saw the danger he was in, and it was useless at that point to go out and talk to his brothers because they weren't believers. They didn't believe in his divinity yet. His earthly family were behaving like the Pharisees. And at that point, the disciples were not. His disciples, his disciples were his only spiritual family. And Jesus used them to, to explain closeness to God. That's what this was about. The accessibility to Jesus, the closeness to God, included the essential element of belief. That's what this whole discussion is about. Unless you forget, Jesus already taught in Matthew chapter 10, whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That doesn't mean we can't love our family. That just means we love him more. Jesus didn't deny his earthly family. He showed the difference between brothers and true believers. 
between a mother concerned about his welfare and the disciples who believed Jesus needed to do his work no matter the cost. There was, there was an obvious difference between his earthly family and his spiritual family, and his actions delineated the differences. So Jesus drove his point home using his family. He didn't demean his family, but he did delineate between his earthly and spiritual families. And finally, notice in this passage that Jesus defined his eternal family. What did he say in verse 50? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Those, those Pharisees were, were not doing the will of God. They were practicing a religion. They weren't experiencing a relationship with God. The proof was in the output of their lives. They were vicious. They were arrogant men who did not know God because they imposed their own rules on God's chosen nation, keeping them from fulfilling their responsibility to the world. The believers, uh, the, the brothers of Jesus were, were not in the eternal family. They weren't in the family either because they did not believe Jesus was divine. So Jesus defines his family. And Mary, Mary was trying to keep Jesus from pointing this out. She was, she was in the wrong too. Jesus clearly said that a person has to be doing the will of the Father to be in the family of God. Now, at that point, what was the will of God for people's lives? Well, the Jews in, in Micah's day were told what the will was. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before on high, before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the, will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. Look, were the unbelievers in Jesus' day guilty of useless sacrifices? You bet. And Jesus called them on it. He called them on it. Do the will of God, and he will consider you in his family, meaning close and in a right relationship with him. Don't do the will of God, and you're out. Jesus was clear in the definition of those who are in the family of God. They will do God's will. Then that was the end of the discussion with this particular group. So what's the, the application for today, for us? What does this passage have to do with us? And, and I, I'm just going to admit it to you. It can be pretty alarming if you apply this to us. Number one, Jesus knows the spiritual condition of everyone listening to this today. Everyone listening to this, listen to me. Jesus knows your spiritual condition. He's very aware of your actual belief system. He sees every behavior in your life. And those actions tell him what you truly love. Just as he knew the unbelief of the Pharisees and his brothers, he knows your real attitude towards him. In light of that terrifying truth, you might want to assess where you are in your life. You might just want to take a little test. You know, do you do good things because you genuinely love the Lord? You want to praise his name and learn from his word and grow to be more like Christ? Do you genuinely care about other people? Do you show up at church to, to show love for God and love for people? Or do you do those things for some other reason? To maintain a particular reputation, perhaps? Or maybe it's to check off your your 
your list of responsibilities in hopes of appeasing God, the one that you don't really know. Now, I'm sure there are people who are in search mode. You want to know if this is real or not, and that's okay. You're searching in the right place. But what is your reason for doing the right things? Whether you admit the truth or not is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things unless it pushes you closer to Christ. Unless it pushes you closer or to a closer life with Jesus, whether you admit your failures or not is irrelevant. Jesus recognizes those who follow him and those who do not. You need to know very well, Jesus knows your spiritual condition. And not only that, Jesus is acutely aware of who loves him more than anyone, anything else. And he's acutely aware who, who does not. Here's the litmus test that will give you an accurate assessment of your love for God. Other than Sunday mornings, where do your interests lie? What, what do you want your efforts to achieve? Do you work? Do you work for the glory of God to carry out his mission? Do you listen to and look for advice from the Lord on other days rather than just Sunday? Does your behavior out there match what you're like in the church? So remember, Jesus said that you'll, you'll know the type of tree by its fruit. In that same analogy, what are you cultivating? What are you growing? What are you enjoying when it comes to fruition in your life? Your your efforts out there, not just not just in the church, not just in circles where you have to be good, those will tell you whether you love God or not. He's already acutely aware of your true love. And then there's this, this that we can glean from today's passage. This truth may make some of you angry. It makes, makes some of you a little nervous. But here it is. Jesus will give preferential treatment to those who are in his spiritual family. We see that in this passage. Jesus chose to spend time with his believing disciples over his non-believing brothers and overly protective mother. That's hard for you to hear. But only Christians receive some blessings. Closeness to God, eternal life with him, those are reserved for people who genuinely love him, who belong to him. Listen. As much as, as you want to try to deny it, Christian, because of this jacked-up culture we're in, there's no way to deny that you are a person of privilege. God gives privilege to his own. And that can be a good thing. That can be a good thing if it drives you to, to gratitude, to thankfulness, if it leads you to share the loving acts of kindness. But privilege played out in prideful actions, that's another story. The world's gone crazy protesting the downside of privilege. The downside is that you can become arrogant and abuse situations to get what you want. True justice can be thwarted in privileged situations. We've seen that, haven't we? Just watch the news. You'll see people not get punished for their crimes and others get punished for much less. Oh, the world loves privilege when it's theirs. But boy, do they hate it when it belongs to someone else. So you can... You can post and protest on your little social platforms and write to your media outlets and give all kinds of examples of evil privilege and how it's harmed the welfare of society. But unless you understand Christian privilege, your efforts to rectify it will die with you. Listen to me. The truth is that God gives preferential treatment to Christians. 
God sees us in a different light. We're special to him. That privilege is intended to drive us toward gratitude, towards humility. It's intended to push us to love God and love others. The question is, do you do you want others to have that same kind of privilege? Or do you hoard it up and wield it for personal gain and some false sense of some pseudo-satisfaction? Jesus will give you preferential treatment if you belong in his spiritual family. And finally, if Jesus is revealing himself to you today, you need to see the unique position that that puts you in. Jesus wouldn't go out to see his mom and brothers. He wouldn't perform another miracle for those folks. They weren't ready to hear the truth. But if he's expressing his desire to know you today, what does that mean? It means you're in a very unique position. He has made you aware of his willingness to have a relationship with you. Because he's made you aware, that means he thinks you're ready to consider it. He wouldn't offer it to you unless you are ready to consider it. But being ready is different from being willing. If you hear and understand this message, you, you are ripe for salvation. You, you are ripe for submission. You're ready to be forgiven, but are you willing to submit to him as master? If not, you're in the same danger as the Pharisees, the same danger of Jesus' brothers. That's the point of the whole discussion. But if so, if you are ready to be forgiven, you could be saved right now. Right now. Look, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and save you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you can be saved. That is being made available to you today. Will you accept it? Are you willing? The Pharisees were not. They died in their disbelief. The brothers were. They were all saved and added to the eternal family. Where do you want to be? Look, I'd love to start a conversation with you about that. There's more things that we need to discuss. Just email me at mike at fbcclover.com. And let's talk about that. But it's a serious thing, and Jesus points it out in this passage. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for giving it to us today. Help us to consider, to take an, an assessment of what we love and what that proves to you. God, help us to be right before you. Help those who are listening to, to know your peace, to know your presence, and to know your salvation. God, grant that to them, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. Come back next week for another teaching from God's Word. Hopefully my voice will be a little bit better and I won't cough into the microphone as much. But I hope you have a great week. Remember, if you're walking with God, He is very much pro-you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.